I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you stop. like. What a stop! Just for Ben! Oh! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it's been, we're, be we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's, he's, say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up. Right, you're very welcome along to the Friday Football Podcast. Good Friday Football Podcast. I'm all over the place there at my levels, I'm uh, And it's kind of a bit of a B team this week because Dave is back. Afternoon, Dave. Good afternoon, gentlemen. And Colin is here, which in fairness actually probably brings up the overall tone of things. Thanks very much. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Dave, Dave, you're a B team. Guest appearance. I would, in the mind of Adrian Barry, be very much considered the B team. B is, B is sort of nearly overstating things a little bit. Um, just to recap on last week, uh, we had a, a bit of a bumper programme with Nathan and Ger here as well. So uh, I sort of brought up the rear in the predictions league. Four out of eight is all I got. Southampton lost to Cardiff. That kind of threw everybody off. Uh, Nathan had five and yourself and Ger, Dave, had six out of eight. Well, you know, it took me a while to get going, but once I hit my stride, there's really no stopping me. Uh, a couple of them were, one of them particularly was a draw. West Brom and Spurs, was that a draw? It was, 3-3. Yeah, you love to sit in the fence, <laughs> which went... West Brom were 3-0 up. Yeah, went in your favour. Um, but lots to get to this weekend. We are going to chat a bit about uh, Sunday to start off with, and then we get to Saturday, because a lot of interest in the Sunday matches, and it's a special bumper off the ball. Uh, this Sunday starts from just before midday, well in time for Norwich against Liverpool. Uh, Colin was getting a lot of abuse off the ball last night for saying that he hopes Liverpool don't win the thing because their fans are just going to be unbearable, obnoxious. You yeah, sticking by that? I have to be honest about it. I'm I'm worried about having to listen to them um, because it's bad enough listening to it. I think in the last four or five years they've finally kind of realised that they're not the greatest team of all time. But one Premier League is just going to change all that. Like the little bit of humble pie that they they eat regarding the Premier League that's going to be gone and I just think they're going to be impossible It amazes me that some of our listeners would be annoyed at you an Everton supporter not wanting Liverpool to win the league I mean surely that's just par for the course Yeah you know, I don't I, really understand that There was a lot of abuse Now there was people also abusing you Dave a couple of weeks ago saying that I think the text was I, I don't exactly recall the exact detail of the text but it was about you were on a Liverpool game and Liverpool were winning and it was something along the lines of McIntyre is going to cream himself here very shortly <laughs> So there are people out there that believe that my allegiance is to Liverpool. This is this is the, well, this, certainly the sentiment that was coming through that As day. a commentator, I refuse to um, confirm which team I supported. Obviously, I'm a huge football fan. There's mm. the side that I've been supporting since I was four or five years of age. I'm not going to divulge that information, but at the same time... I, I know would who like it is. Yes, you do. I divulge it. <laughs> Give it to yourself. I would like to think no matter what team I'm covering, whether the team I supported as a kid is playing or not, that I don't allow that to clear the commentary in any way. Now, in fairness, we do, like, in, in fairness to the listeners, we do get, most weeks we do get, oh, McIntyre's about to cream himself because, insert, team here yes, are doing really exactly. well get that insert team here bias off the air it can pretty um, much happen on every week in fact I do remember it was a Liverpool Manchester United game at Anfield it was about four years ago three years ago maybe Liverpool won 3-1 but Dirk Cout scored a hat-trick in the first half and had Liverpool leading 3-0 at half time mm. and the texts that afternoon were both um, accusing me of being 
bias towards Manchester United and Liverpool. Some of the texts were no more than five minutes in duration apart from each other. So it gives you an idea of how difficult it is to please everybody. You love everyone, Dave. That's your problem. Or hate everyone. Or hate everyone. Either way, you get the same results. I go go with the hate. It's Good Friday, religious holiday and all that. We can't just spread a bit of love, but I definitely think it's it's hate uh, when it comes to you, Dave. Um, Yeah, you were at Liverpool City uh, last weekend. Norwich Liverpool is the first game on Sunday, 12 o'clock kickoff. Matt Holland will be in the co-commentary seat uh, for us. You were at Liverpool City last weekend, Mm. quite the game. It was an incredible game of football. Everything that is great about the Premier League. I just thought both teams came out of the game with a huge amount of credit. And a a draw probably would have been the favourable result. I think Liverpool fans will have that moment when David Silva was about three inches too short and that it was could well be the winning of the losing of the league title because City were rampant. It was 2-2. Brilliant ball across to Silva. He slid in. And if he literally had been two or three inches taller, he would have managed to turn yeah. it into the back of the net. And that would have been the league, I think, taken away from Liverpool. In the end, they got that brilliant winner from Coutinho. I think that'll be the moment that they look back on if they do manage to see this one out. But um, City were still so much in it, very much in it until during the week when they dropped those points at home to Sunderland I don't want to make you overly conscious but the at danger here or dangerhere.com website were also uh, having a pop at you of that for oh, saying were, yeah. that Aguero should be uh, three three inches longer or whatever it was you were whatever it was you were saying Silva or Silva yeah. Should be, uh, yeah. well I'm just saying if he had been he would have been there he just couldn't it, he was reaching and just couldn't get there I thought Aguero if it was a couple of months ago before he got injured might have took that away into the right corner himself yeah, well, I mean, he's obviously just nowhere near what he should be. He was taken off at half time during the week, and Manuel Pellegrini has admitted that he's just not in a position where he can affect a Premier League game at the moment, given his fitness levels. Um, John Giles was on last night, and he was saying that we're not really going to get City are playing West Brom Monday night. We're going to really get into much detail about that. But he was saying, come that uh, Pellegrini's time has come. He was very negative, in fairness, to him after the uh, City's two-two draw with Sunderland during the week, and John Giles feels that it's time for him to go. I thought that was pretty harsh from. Uh, Johnny Giles to be honest like he's won a Carling Cup I know that's not what they wanted at the start of the season but the football he has them playing you know they're respected now within the Premier League almost like Arsenal were for playing really good football I don't certainly it's his first year in charge they've improved an awful lot from last year when they were way off the title race with Mancini mm. and they've won a Cup so I think to say that he goes you know it, it's it, it's way over the top for me I suppose then on the flip side of that, like what, where do City go, Dave? Like over the next right, right. Let's say let's say they lose out in the Premier League, which is looking increasingly likely. They are currently, as things stand, third place. They do still have that game in hand, six points back though from Liverpool with uh, City with five games to go. So I just wonder where City go. I mean, they obviously need to buy some players in the summer, but uh, they really haven't bought all that wisely. It turns out up to now. Well, they haven't bought wisely in certain positions, namely mm. centre-half, yeah. which is an incredible indictment of the club given the huge amount of money that they've spent, that they still do not have someone that is remotely capable of playing at centre-half alongside Vincent Company, a guy that was brought in for only six million five years ago. So he isn't really part of the big spending. He was a, just a wonderful buy, one of the few bargain buys that they have been able to secure over the last few years. And they've tried so many different guys. They've gone through Nastasic, they've gone through Lescott. How has Lescott survived so long at City? Because but they haven't bought anybody else to ease him out of the squad like he's very much a squad Les- player why are you down on Lescott lads they've won a Premier League with Lescott playing every game beside company I just don't think Pellegrini fancies Lescott when you don't have you know the backing of the manager maybe his confidence is suffering City won a league with Lescott playing centre back and him mm. and company were a good partnership but it's a, but it's a fundamental issue when Vincent Company clearly is unfit 
and you're putting him into the biggest game of the season against Luis Suarez and Daniel Sturridge and there is not another option like they had Lescott on the yeah. bench well Nastasic is injured isn't he he, is, he is, is injured but it's not like he had completely established himself either he's a very promising centre half but given that Lescott is deemed so much to be under uh, it hasn't got the ability to do the job for Pellegrini like he should have started that game yeah. instead of Vincent Company last week yeah look I think if like if Pe- Pellegrini obviously works with this guy week in week out I d- like I don't think anybody ever rated granted he did win the Premier League with City at that time but I don't think anybody has ever rated Julian Lescott like even when he went to City to I begin do. with really yeah he was outstanding with Everton and yeah. he, he did he was very very solid beside Vincent Company the year they won the Premier League then you know Pellegrini just doesn't fancy him and you know, that's basically it. But a big problem with City obviously has been Aguero being injured because Dzeko and Negredo can't play up front together. So now yeah. he's gone with one striker. When City were on fire at the start of the season, they were playing two up front like Liverpool. And, you know, they had so many options up there. Negredo was on fire alongside Negredo. They had a brilliant understanding. Yeah. But Aguero getting injured has totally changed their formation to a 4-2-3-1 when they were kind of going 4-4-2 with the two strikers and scoring bagfuls of goals. Well, they will make improvements in the summer. The league's gone for them. I don't think they have any chance of winning the league now and they will certainly sign a central defender. Probably they do need two centre-halves because I don't think Lescott or Di Michaelis and Estancic are up to the job. And after that, it's difficult to know where they need to go. But they have brilliant centre midfielders. They've got a a wonderful array of attacking talent. Nasri and Silva were incredibly good last Sunday in the second half. Silva's looked amazing at times this season. I I just have been surprised. Like Even with Torre, without Torre against Sunderland and then things just come across, they've been so... Uh, susceptible to being just an average team when Aguero, Negredo lost form and then Torres out. It's just, I just I don't understand how there isn't a bit more strength there. Anyway, we don't want to talk uh, overly about a game that's on Monday night. Liverpool um, off to Norwich on Sunday at midday. I presume we all expect the Liverpool unstoppable, hashtag unstoppable juggernaut to continue. Certainly. Yes, I do. There are just one caveat in that it's a, tw- a midday start and I just wonder, will that have any effect on the game at all? If I'm really, we're searching for scrums here, crumb, crumbs here as to why Liverpool won't win the game, because Norwich are just really poor and their gamble of sacking Hutton has backfired terribly. And I think they could well get relegated this season. And if they do get relegated, they deserve to be relegated. But has it backfired, Dave? They so, put they, all of their in. eggs into the Fulham basket. We need a spike in form due to the manager being replaced. It that wasn't you would going too expect. well. Which it wasn't, it wasn't exactly going, going too well. well. But it, I think Hewton would have done something to prevent them from at least losing the Fulham game. Now they've got a guy who made six changes last weekend for the match at Fulham. They were beaten. I don't know how he tries to get the team back together for this game. They could easily lose the rest of the games and sink. And I think they'll they'll deserve to do so as well. I Colin. think Nor- Norwich are gone. Norwich are mm. re- practically relegated. Well, it's because they're running games they have, isn't it? It's yeah, with well, Liverpool, horrendous. United, Chelsea and Arsenal. Mm. And Luis Suarez has got more Premier League goals than Norwich yeah. this season. Like He's full- also got 11 goals and four appearances against Norwich. He could easily fill his boots again this Sunday. I was watching his top 10. The, the, uh, the lists are out for the uh, Prussian Footballer Association Player of the Year and obviously he's one of them and probably favourite together as well. And I was watching his top 10 in goals and the top three are goals against Norwich. <laughs> and amazing. Sure, there's two in the same game yeah. this, earlier this season yeah. the volley yeah, and, and, the, the, the volley and then the half volley was, was sensational yeah. Yeah. but no, no but Fulham's last four games are Tottenham Hull Stoke and Palace so even they're two points behind Norwich you would really really fancy Fulham to, to yeah. overtake well, Norwich's Norwich. goal difference is superior to Fulham's at the moment but you'd think Ful- Norwich's goal difference will suffer terribly at the hands of those four clubs they have to play two draws could conceivably keep Fulham up yeah. Hull against uh, Arsenal from five past two on Sunday the former Republic of Ireland and Newcastle defender John Anderson in the commentary box for us the interesting thing for me about uh, Arsenal this week was Arsene Wenger like his almost triumphalist 
comment in some way after Everton's loss to Palace during the week and uh, I kind of wonder in some ways that if Arsenal even do manage to get fourth and possibly win the FA Cup that it's still time for Wenger to go and I've always been somebody who believed that he should stay there but beginning to see come around to the idea that maybe Wenger's time has come uh, I wouldn't really if they do get top four and win the FA Cup it's certainly been a good season the reason people think it hasn't been a good season is because they flirted with the top of the table for a while mm. and people call them title challengers but they'll only get fourth because of Everton's failures as opposed to anything they've done themselves well it's not really Everton's failures Everton went on a run of seven wins in a row so it's not exactly Everton's failures Everton could never keep that going you know Arsenal have been solid top four all season it's not like they've just come in with a yeah. late run losing to Palace during the week is a failure yeah, it's a failure, but for Everton even to be in that position was a huge surprise. Arsenal were well clear of Everton. Everton went on a brilliant run. Mm. You know, I don't think it's because of other teams' failures. I think Arsenal, unfortunately, as an Everton fan, have been solid top four. They've never been out of the top four, you know, all season. And they've looked like title challengers at, at one stage. Had horrible run of injuries. All their best players have been injured. They need a striker. I think Wenger, I'd give Wenger one more season. Let him spend in the transfer market. They need a striker that could do it a good, proper holding midfielder because I think Arteta's turned into a little bit of a liability um, and give him one more season. I wouldn't get rid of him now. It depends who they were to get in but I think he's de- definitely getting to the end of his of his era really at, at Arsenal. They mo- losing Theo Walker I think was a big blow because he was having a very good season and I don't think that he's invested properly. He hasn't signed the right players in the right positions. I've seen them two or three times this season. They've been absolutely pathetic. The only reason they'll make the top four is because Manchester United have been so dreadful and that Everton just didn't have what it took to maybe just keep that incredible run going. But they'll limp into the top four and if you'd said in the start of the season we'll give you the FA Cup and of Champions League football Arsenal players probably would have bitten your hand off. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and I, and I and I do get the idea that you know maybe he needs to rebuild it a little bit, but like he's been there for a lot of years, sixteen, seventeen years, 17 whatever it years, is. Yeah. yeah, and I think that you know, like the things that you talk about, Colin, about him getting players in, and there's gaps in areas of the team. You know, where with Pellegrini, you can say fair enough. He's only arrived at the club. He's only there a year, so we can't really put all of that at his door. But with Wenger, like this is his team. He's this is the team that he's built for injuries and form or whatever for whatever else. This is the team that he's built. Yeah. Well, the, the thing, what I'd be concerned about Wenger is he doesn't ever seem to change his tactics. He goes away to Chelsea, gets hammered. He goes away to the Etihad. The yeah. City gets hammered, goes away goes to, to Liverpool, gets hammered. Gets hammered. Yeah. And goes to Everton, gets hammered. gets hammered. But it's always the same system. <laughs> like He just does not want to change yeah. and like, like at least sit back and hit teams in the break. There has to be a plan B and there doesn't seem to be. And like... That is the thing I would be concerned about with yeah. Wenger. Is he just completely blinkered and can't adapt? Well, he he clearly is. If yeah. you look at the goals they conceded in the first half at Sanford Bridge, compared to the goals they conceded in the first half at Goodison Park, virtually identical. Did you yeah. say you were at his press conference after the Everton match? It was, yeah. And that he was just, he just didn't have a reason, he couldn't explain. Utter bewilderment. He didn't really know what to say. He was stumbling over his words. Um, there was no fight. There was no grit left in him. The reporters were just telling him, you know, you don't seem to be able to react to these games, the big defeats. You've come here today yeah. again and you're telling us oh we just need to respond how do you know you will respond because you haven't done after Anfield after the Etihad and after Stamford Bridge he says I don't know if we will we're mentally we've met, got a problem mentally and you're just thinking this is incredible yeah but when you hear things like that maybe he has run his course and if they won the FA Cup he could go out with his head held mm. high but who do they get in that's the big thing you know if you could get someone like Jurgen Klopp I'd be all for Wenger going but you know mm. you're not what going to what a club to come into though yeah, because they obviously have money. They will be in the Champions League. They've got some brilliant pl- footballers, 
and the setup of the club from top to bottom seems to be oh, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And that's what Wenger's making, and he it needs is, to yeah. get a lot yeah. of his legacy will be thing, yeah. like it, it'll be unsurpassed. Well, you see, the problem is that with his legacy is that, like say, Klopp comes in, like the Wenger legacy is that he hasn't spent money, particularly you know, a little bit over the last, obviously with Ozil and stuff like that. But like his legacy is the players that he tries to bring through. But the problem with that is that Klopp comes in and will spend. Like the board are obviously only too willing to give him a big bunch of cash, which is not the way. That's not Wenger's methodology. Well, yeah, it's well. not his methodology, but at the same time, and I, I'm on Wenger's side on this. To move to a new stadium, mm. Wenger, like he's being prudent. At the end of the day, he he cares about the club. They've a new stadium now. To be fair, when it has come out that there is money to spend, he spent forty six million. He tried to sign Suarez. Now maybe it's the time that they're in the clear and they've loads of money the stadium is paid for. I think that's one of Wenger. I know fans, I know fans don't like to hear this, but yeah. like it's a huge achievement. The Emirates like is the envy of a lot of clubs. Like look at Liverpool trying to get a new stadium, Everton are in the same boat. This is paid for and through his transfer dealings, you know, has paid a lot of it. So mm. I think that's a huge legacy and it will be unfortunate if he goes to the end of the season and the next manager spends loads of money because he's he's had to battle through 7 8 years bringing through young fellas, selling them off. Oh, there has been an profits. element of them being unwilling there to is, spend money. There is. No, I, I accept that. You no, know, it hasn't been because the money it wasn't there. For I the last for you, two years, for example. Yeah, do it. I like, mean, it's, he's been cl- c- continually telling the media that there's money to spend and yet he wasn't spending it. Yeah. It was no, like he, it was his own money. It's like he won't realise, he wants to see value and like there's no value anymore. It's just, as he, as he proved with Mesut Ozil, like yeah. 41 million pounds I spent on him. Anybody think that uh, Hull are going to get out, anything out of this? I do, yeah. I think Hull is a big game for them. They do not want to be spanked by Arsenal ahead of the cup final. And they're playing with a, like a team that have absolutely no pressure on the moment. They played with pressure in the semi-final of the FA Cup and nearly lost to Sheffield United. There's no pressure on them this Sunday. Six points there, danger. Yeah, I think they'll... I'm going to go for a draw here. I think That's it, Dave. Bring Put on the line. Well, listen, Good I picked man. up a couple of draws last weekend. I think they will actually help Everton get back into it before four o'clock at least. Yeah, I'd go for a draw here as well because Long, Long and Jelovic are will be up front and they cause all sorts of problems. Now, they won't be available for the cup final so they'll be out for, you know, to prove a point at home against Arsenal. This will be their cup final and I think they'll cause Arsenal problems. No clean sheet in five games for Arsenal. Cole will score at least once. Ramsey's back. Say no more. Arsenal win uh, for me there. Everton United f- uh, 10 past four on uh, Sunday. Dave, you'll be at this with uh, Kevin Sheedy and there's been a lot written this week about David Moyes heading back to Goodison Park. It's kind of hard, Colin, not to look at uh, the at David Moyes without looking at it through the prism of what uh, Martinez has achieved since then which obviously makes it a bit sort of revisionist what was the like what was the feeling for, the feeling was pretty warm towards Moyes when he left has it changed? Well it, 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 it changed when he came back and made a derisory offer for both Fellaini and Baines 28 mm. million for both of them and that was like well done Moyes thanks very much for the 10 years you did really well and wish like I was the same as most Evertonians it's a promotion for Moyes you know to go to United so you're wishing him the best of luck Everton fans turned against him then when they realised how good Martinez was Moyes very negative the whole narrative from Moyes the whole 10 years was let's get to the 40 points we're overachieving you know all this mm. kind of talk Martinez is complete opposite he's an, he's an optimist and it just looked like kind of defeatist talk out of Moyes in Martinez first year and there's all talk about transition and you see Brennan Rodgers with Liverpool took seventh last season took him a season to put his own stamp on the team look at Moyes at United this year Martinez came in in his first ever season got a record points total for Everton 66 points um, that's more than Moyes ever gotten his, in his um, 10 years and there's still four games left so the job Martinez has done has been nothing short of incredible now he wouldn't be able to do it 
without the base, the defensive base that Moyes left him, which was like the Everton's goalkeeper and back four are the envy of most clubs in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. They're outstanding. Now, Martinez, from midfield up, Martinez's stamp is all over the team. But the defence, you know, Moyes left that left that to him. And even John Stones, who's an outstanding and prospect, he's a, he's a Moyes signing from last Christmas from Barnsley as well. And Martinez loves him. So Moyes had a really good eye for a player at a certain in in a certain market. Mm. You know, maybe at United he's shopping, you know, at a different level and he's not as experienced at that. But certainly for Everton, his his transfer signings and the back four he's built up you there say has been that. outstanding. I was looking at it actually earlier today. He sold Lescott, we'll come back to Jolly and Lescott again, which seems like a pretty good touchstone for the day. Uh twenty two million quid to City and he bought Distan, Heitinger and Billy Letinoff. Like the last two of those weren't weren't exactly like roaring successes at Everton. Distan granted. Yeah, well, Distan was a brilliant signing. I think Distan was a free transfer. Heitinger was a World Cup finalist with with Holland. Mm-hmm. You know, and he now he, at Fulham. he had a couple of excellent seasons at Everton. Martinez do, Heitinger didn't do a bad job. Mar- Heitinger is certainly not a bad signing for five million, and he covered midfield, he covered right back, he covered centre half. Now Billy Eshtonov, he was a disaster. Yeah. But like if you're if you're to add up my good signings and bad signings, you'd be talking you know five mm-hmm. to one. Like if he, you think of some of the other guys he's brought, he signed Kevin Morales, who's been a brilliant signing. Yeah. He brought Stephen Naismith to the club. He brought um, Tim Cahill to the club and he was huge for them as yeah, well. Yeah, well, Arteta for its tiny money. He bought Baines for tiny money. He bought Lescott for tiny mm. money. Coleman yeah, for 60,000. His, his good yeah. signings like, far outweigh the poor ones. Yeah. Uh, Tim Sherwood has signed a new deal as well with Everton. Uh, he's been there since 2006, which really surprised me. I almost kind of think about him as been sort of a newish. Who? Uh, Tim Howard. Tim Howard. Said? Tim Sherwood. Tim Sherwood. Yes. Hey, what? <laughs> yeah, Tim uh, Howard's another two-year contract. Yeah. yeah, excellent. I was talking to him in the, in the press lounge at Anfield well. last weekend. He was doing some media work for I don't know what radio station or TV company he was working with. I was chatting to him for about ten minutes. Lovely fella. Really nice guy. He didn't nice try to guy. convert you to the well, maybe you're already already there. He didn't try to convert you to the Christian faith and. Um, I'm not already there and um, we didn't discuss religion in the end he spent most of the time talking about how incredible the Irish guys at Goodison Park were Really, he was just could not say enough about Seamus Coleman he just thinks he's the most phenomenally talented footballer it was great to hear obviously he should have been in the list for player of the year Coleman yeah I think so he definitely should uh, he said an awful lot of good things about Jason McCarthy as well but um, nothing about God nothing about God Tim Tim Howard uses his platform as a football player to bring, bring glory to God not himself Right. Was uh, I was expecting to start swearing at me? He's today. obviously worked hard, and you know we, we know that he's Tourette's. So for some Tourette's, yeah. he's worked very hard on that to eradicate. You that kind of think speech. that might be a benefit to uh, a to goal a goalkeeper. Keeper. Well, maybe he lets it rip on the pitch, but certainly in conversation with a strange man he'd never met before, um, he certainly very kept strange. it under wraps. Yeah. Yes, very strange indeed. Um, Two thousand and one MLS Humanitarian of the Year was <laughs> among the accolades that I discovered about Tim Howard today. I thought I didn't even realise there was an MLS Humanitarian of the Year, uh, but in fairness to him, he uh, had worked with children who have Tourette's so obviously very deserving of the thing as well uh, Glazers have told Moyes uh, this week that United need to qualify for the Europa League which I think will be the biggest disaster that could happen to United I think they're better off just completely staring, staring clear of that Yeah but I think if Arsenal win the Cup there's going to be seven places in the league for Europe so I think whether six. United six yeah Okay. Yeah, so. sixth place will make the Europa League if Arsenal win the FA Cup. And Maybe the United will be in a scrap with Tottenham for that. Yeah, right. they're currently in seventh, three points behind Tottenham in sixth. With a game in hand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's so. a big game for Manchester United. Overall, on balance, I think qualifying for the Europa League would be a good thing for them. The champions of the Europa League next season make it into the Champions League, so it's an ex- a second window for them to get back into, into the European Cup. But uh, it's a big game for both these clubs. 
I'm going for an Everton win here Dave quickly I'm going for a Manchester United win because Carl. they've shown some very good form and they've had two weeks off Everton win for me that's uh, two out of three there uh, Chelsea Sunderland is Saturday evening and I think people haven't really spoken a huge amount about Chelsea over the last little while but there's obviously a very strong case uh, to be made for uh, Chelsea winning the league the only problem with uh, all of that is that they've beaten, been beaten by Villa and Palace in the last month and they've a ver- couple of very handy games to finish with uh, and they've a Sunderland side as well have just drawn with City and to think about two legs against Atlantic Madrid between that they have Liverpool so there, there's an equal case is what I'm saying for them to be made here that they're actually the way the fixtures are stacked up it's not terribly helpful for them No it does not look pretty particularly the fact that they have to go to Atletico and then play them at Sanford Bridge with the Liverpool game sandwiched mm. in between and I agree with you I mean they were a little fortunate to beat Swansea last weekend they've also lost to Palace and Villa as you've mentioned you don't really know what you're going to get out of Chelsea they're not scoring goals and when they do win they win by the odd goal so I think they will win this game at the weekend Sunderland's performance at the Etihad was magnificent I don't know if they can repeat that it'll all come down to that game at Anfield I just don't know what sort of state Chelsea will be in by the time they get there but if they win on Saturday they go top and it puts real pressure on Liverpool in that early kickoff on Sunday uh, Sunderland upset City during the week Colm you expect them to have any impact at Stamford Bridge? No not at all um, uh, Gus Paya kind of papered over some craps, cracks with his runs in the papering in over craps is an entirely <laughs> different conversation <laughs> over the cracks that's a very good example to use wasn't he was it uh, Bar- was it what club was he at Barnsley Brighton. Brighton and there was a there was a big issue when he left about somebody taking a shit smearing the walls in the uh, <laughs> whoever they'd been playing that week was the club managed by Ian Holloway by any chance and anyway Blackpool was it oh Blackpool and somebody had taken a shit in the <laughs> visitors dressing room and there was a there strong was an suggestion that it might have been Gus Boyd no, <laughs> that listen, there was a South American riff of it he completely <laughs> denied the allegation I don't anyway. think anyone would admit that allegation but <laughs> they, they've only won six games out of 26 under Poya and that's relegation form he hasn't turned Sunderland really around at all outside the little runs in the cup um, and he's taking shits in, in dressing room so Poya has to go Sunderland will lose <laughs> I'm going for a Chelsea win here as well, Dave. Yeah, as am I. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Childish humour, I find, often works works best. Yeah, potty humour is the funniest. Uh, a, if only he had a potty, he wouldn't have had to leave. I think somebody actually left on the <laughs> Can floor. Can we move on to the next game, please? They left on the floor on the basis that, like, is that going to really upset another team? Oh, we just well, come into would, the room. 100%. There's like a shit can... on the floor. Yes. <laughs> take it out. Be horrified. Take it out. Totally turn you off your game. <laughs> I think Brighton were beaten actually as well as it turns out. The team um, talk would be about the shit like you would not <laughs> you wouldn't even you'd, you'd smear it up you'd smear it up on the walls and say look Stop at Stop saying look. shit. <laughs> look what they're doing. Yeah hey, I agree move on now. Right we need to wrap up these games very quickly. Shit uh, shit shit shit. Saturday Tottenham against Fulham uh, Felix McGath uh, saying that he consulted Johnny Heitinger before they played Everton and Julie lost 3-1 and now he's going to consult the on-loan Spurs midfielder Lewis Holtby ahead of this uh, trip to Tottenham on Saturday. Uh, it's the lunchtime kickoff, Dave. Tottenham win. Colm? Draw, because I think Spurs are not trustworthy and Fulham, after winning the last two in a row, and maybe they could go on a little run um, and get themselves out of trouble. Yeah, they have whole Stoke and Palace after this, but I don't think they're going to do it against uh, Spurs. This I do think for Spurs Fulham there. will stay up, but I don't think they'll, start, they'll manage anything this weekend. Shea Given is in the dugout for Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa against Southampton. I watched a bit of Southampton against Cardiff last weekend. Cardiff won that game 1-0. I've no uh, idea how that happened. Adam Lallana was ridiculously impressive. Obviously, Jared Rodriguez is out. 
but uh, that creative force behind that Southampton team uh, is amazing and I fully expect Southampton to beat Aston Villa this weekend If Southampton get the first goal in this game I think Villa will fold I've seen Villa a couple of times this season they've gone from the brilliant to the utterly pathetic and it depends who gets the first goal I think Southampton will win this by a couple of goals yeah, agreed. Southampton win. Villa have lost their last four in a row and losing games to teams down around them. Villa are in big trouble. The only thing that might save Villa is the fact that Norwich could do them a favour. Mm. I Cardiff City against Stoke is another one of the uh, three o'clock games on Saturday, and I'd be particularly concerned for Cardiff. I have to admit, uh, the whole Palace thing has been a bit of a joke for me. This nonsense about the whether they need the team it's or not—it's just isn't it? been a complete distraction for the them. Game, that they the could game should the results should entirely, not be outstanding. They're That's just embarrassing. they just really could do without all of this nonsense. Uh, I. This is obviously very much last uh, last last chance saloon for Cardiff this weekend. It's a tough, tough one to call. Uh, probably edge on the Stoke side here. Yeah, so would I. If they win and this weekend, they're almost guaranteed a top half finish. They've never finished in the top ten of the Premier League. What an achievement for Mark Hughes after Tony Pulis left. And uh, I think Cardiff will just their luck will run out this weekend because they were fortunate enough to win, as you say last time out. I'm going to go for Cardiff. I think they're they need to win. Stoke are in that. I know they might have motivation to get in the top 10 but they're lingering around mid-table safe nothing major to play for Cardiff do and that's why I'll go for Cardiff win Newcastle-Swansea is uh, one of the other games at 3 o'clock uh, Alan Pardew is serving the last game for suspension we want harmony back he says wouldn't do any harm if he started with himself uh, and Swansea's preparations upset a little bit this week by reports of a row between the, some of the Swansea players and apparently Monk, Gary Monk himself had a row with Chica Flores when he was still a player back in mm. January to which the police were called <laughs> Yes, hardly oh, harmony in the Swansea dressing room. But all right. How does how does it arrive at a position where I would imagine Chico Flores call the cops and not Gary Monk? Hang on there a second, Gary. I'm just <laughs> going to go off here and call the cops on this one. Um, so yeah, a Swansea, Swansea are in serious two trouble. Of if their last ten Premier League games, Fulham gets something at White Hart Lane on Saturday, and Swansea don't beat Newcastle. They are in deep, deep trouble, and I, you wouldn't be back in Newcastle to beat anybody. But I just think Swansea are so vulnerable right now and Newcastle need a result themselves. I hate even saying it, but I'm going for Newcastle. Colin? Yeah, there's some serious issues at Newcastle as well. Four losses in a row. They've conceded 12, scored zero. The fans can't stand Pardew. Pardew seems to have lost completely both the fans and the dressing room. This is like two losers. How do you pick a winner from two losers? It's, It's hard to know. A draw for me. He, uh, I'm going for a draw as well actually and that one he just wants harmony back that's Alan Pardew's uh, mantra West Ham Palace is the last remaining game on Saturday uh, very quickly I am going for Crystal Palace here Tony Pulis being a bit of a demigod is the main reason behind that yeah I agree Palace for me Tom? Um yeah tough one I'm going to go for West Ham <laughs> <laughs>